And you have the flight or fright response. And adrenaline starts to course through your, your, your body and uh, releases uh, cortisol, which is a precursor to uh, adrenaline. Adrenaline starts to pump. And you have, uh, you have the ability to shut everything out except fighting that enemy. Getting rid of that enemy or getting away from it, depending. If, if, it's, uh, if it's the house cat that's attaching itself to your leg, then you have, the, you have the urge to kill it and get rid of it. If it's a 500-pound Bengali tiger, you have the urge to, to run and get away. But what about when you're using your survival system for minor annoyances in normal daily stuff? What about when you're using your survival system to protest a, a political appointment or election? What if you're using your survival system in your marriage or to raise your kids? What's that going to do? What's that going to do when you're, sh- when you're hyper-focusing and you're shutting everything out and you're not listening because you can't listen when you're, when you're in a highly anxious state? You don't want to listen. You don't need to listen. If a 600-pound if a tiger is chasing you, the last thing you want to do is stop and listen. You, you want to stop listening. You do not want to be responsive to other human beings. You might, you might die. Or if your two-year-old is running out into Route 140, you don't want to stop and be nice to somebody. No, it's that you run over somebody in that situation. But what, if, what about if you're running over people just in or normal everyday life, you're running over people because your spouse is driving you crazy, leaving half-empty coffee cups around the house. And you're treating that the same way you treat a 700-pound lion attacking you. First Peter 5 gives us some advice. Yet last week we, we focused on the word. The word was, anybody remember? Consider. Consider. Stop and think. In the, when the Bible says, in the day of adversity, consider. Learn to stop, slow yourself down, and think. Today we're going to deal with another word. I'll give it to you in a minute. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud to give us grace to the humble. Now let me say something about this text. It sounds like the writer has attention deficit disorder. It sounds like Apostle Peter, who wrote this, has ADD and he just keeps changing subjects. A little bit about humility, then he's going to talk about anxiety, and then he's going to talk about the devil. He's not, he doesn't have ADD. He's not changing subjects. It's all related. Humility, anxiety, the devil are all related. Other people, how you relate to other people. We're going to see that in the text. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Did I skip something there? Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Very important. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Circle the word cast. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. 
Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, so looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. We're not going to really talk a lot about suffering, but you ought to circle that word sufferings today because that's an important word. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and steadfast to him be power forever. Amen. Anxiety, a very simple definition. We gave you a longer definition last week. And you can go back in, in the app and see the notes. But, but let's give you a shorter one today. A fearful and panicked response to a real or imagined threat. The Bible gives us a lot of advice about negative emotions. And even, even though anxiety and all, all emotions have a place, anger has a place, guilt even has a, place, a positive place in our life, but they're still all negative emotions. If you're going to have a battery, you need a positive and negative terminal. So you need the negative emotions in your life. They're useful. They're tools. But God tells us what to do with them. With anger, God says, slow down and listen when you start to feel angry. With guilt, God says, repent. Ask forgiveness. With uh, indecision, God says, seek counsel. When you're sorrowful, God says, pray. But when, when it comes to anxiety, God says in his word that we read today, and we could find up many other verses that say the same thing, cast it out. So the word for today is cast. When it comes to anxiety, he says, cast it out. As we move through this message today, we'll, we'll talk about what that means. This is not about, let me make this very, very clear. This is not about being passive. Some people, some of us are more passive. Some of us are more extrinsic. Being passive is in fact often a, a, a product of anxiety. When I get anxiety, I oftentimes turtle. I go inward when I feel anxious. I don't want to talk about it when I feel anxious. So anxiety, it's not about being passive or aggressive. Some of you, some of you are shouters. How many of you are shouters here today? How many of you are powders? Uh, some of you are freakers. Some of you are fretters. How many of you are freakers? How many of you are fretters? Okay. Neither is a superior response. They're all secondary responses. The real driver is anxiety. Whether you're a freaker or a fretter, or whether you're a shouter or a powder, whichever you are, it doesn't matter. What you got to deal with in your life is anxiety. Anxiety can cause some people to go inward and not deal with things they should deal with not challenge things they should challenge. So this is not about becoming passive. If you think, well, I'm going to get over this anxiety and I just won't care about anything anymore. No, you need to care about stuff, but you need to know what to do with care. The Bible says, our text says, in another translation, cast all your care upon him. Let's, let's examine that. What does that mean to cast my cares upon the Lord? What does that mean? What does that look like? Casting, it's so, so important. Of course, you know, I, I, unfortunately, fortunately, I should say, we've been given such a great example of anxiety with last Sunday night's game. It is rich with illustrations. And I started looking around. I, I figured I could find a great illustration. Hold it, guys, before you show it. I figured I could show a great illustration of what, what 
what anxiety or a lack of anxiety or, 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 or calm is the word I'm looking for. Calm, calm, the campaign against living miserably. That's what we're into. Campaign, calm, calm against living miserably. I knew, I knew I could find an example. And I ran across this example. To me, it was just, it was just fantastic. Example of an assistant coach, the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Here they're down. Now, we're going to watch, we're going to watch a little clip of him talking to uh, some of his uh, receivers and running backs. Now, they have played a bad game. They've played probably the worst half of football that I've ever seen the New England Patriots play. They are down 28-3. to No team in the history of the NFL has ever come back from that deficit in a Super Bowl. Ten points is the most any team. There was a 1.2, I heard the math on it, a 1.2 chance that they could come back and win the game. So it was like 98.2 or 8, 98.8 chance that they would not win the football game. And I want you to listen. I want you to focus because it's going to happen really quick. And listen to Josh McDaniels, how he talks. Now, now notice, now think about this. His guys have blown it. They've dropped passes. They have not played well. And what do you do? And how do you treat people when they don't play well on your team? How, and, and, and think about what's at stake. You, you may be here today, you, you couldn't care less, of, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't care any less than you do about football. You don't care, that's fine. But millions and millions of dollars are at stake. There's millions and millions of dollars that go to the winners. There are job offers that go to the winners. If, 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 if the Atlanta had won, a Matt, Matty Ryan would be getting all kinds of uh, endorsements and all kinds of incredible things would be happening to them this week that are not happening because he lost. This is a big, big deal. And I want you to hear how Josh McDaniels talks to his players. Let's go! That's anxiety. We believe we're going to win? Yeah, I do right. too. Let's, let's just play our best half. I don't want anybody to do anything that you can't do. Don't try to make it all up in one play. Yeah. Just play each play by itself, yeah. okay? Yeah. Listen to that. Isn't that an incredible example of someone who introduced calm into one of the most stressful situations that you could ever imagine? I know how stressed some of us were feeling. And we had absolutely nothing at stake except bragging rights. I mean, I, I had bragging rights. My, my brother's grand, uh, son-in-law in Atlanta was posting, was posting Atlanta uh, 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 graphics on my wall on Facebook. So I did have something at stake. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, you're thinking, now those people Simon Peter wrote to, sure, this was the first century these, those were much slower times. They didn't have the pressure of modern society. Of course, they could, it's easy to say to them, relax. They didn't have to worry about someone 7,500 miles away testing a nuclear warhead. They didn't have to worry about their 12-year-old being trolled on the internet by some creep or having to live with a spouse who with a few swipes of a credit card can send the family into financial ruin. They didn't have to deal with modern society. So don't even tell us about calming down and being less anxious. Let me give you a newsflash. Simon Peter was writing to Christians. There were 200,000 people who came to Jesus Christ 
in the church in Jerusalem. Most of the 200,000 got scattered all over the Middle East, but the biggest concentration was, went into Western Turkey. Western Turkey is 1,000 miles from Jerusalem. And they, they didn't have airplanes, they didn't have trains, they didn't have cars. They had, most of them had to walk. It, it takes about uh, six weeks to walk 1,000 miles. They had had to walk with their families 1,000 miles. They had lost homes. They had lost family members. They had been rejected. They were stripped down. They were suffering. These are the people. If you notice chapter 1 in 1 Peter, it's he writes to those who are scattered. He writes to those who are scattered. He's writing to the most persecuted people on the face of the earth. Imagine the refugees of Syria today. He was writing the most persecuted people on the earth. And he said, cast all your care upon the Lord. He cares for you. Think about those people the next time you feel panicky that one of your children's going to embarrass you or your family. Or you start fretting that the jerk in the next cubicle might get promoted to VP before you do. Or you might not make that next sale. We need to get our brains around how intensely God wants us to deal with fearful and panic responses to real and imagined threats so intensely that he uses the word cast. Cast means a deliberate hurl for a long distance to get rid of once and for all. We cast out anxiety when we measure, here's, here's, I'm going to give you three ways we cast out anxiety. We cast out our anxiety when we measure our responses by their impact on others. We, in other words, we cast our anxiety when we realize their, their impact on relationships. We realize anxiety's impact on relationships. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourself with humility one to another. So he's saying, before you blast everybody, before you, you let anger come out of you, before you let anxious words and thoughts and disapprovals and all those things we do, to think of Josh McDaniel, who could have started yelling at his players, who could have started pointing fingers and accusing them and cursing them out for not being ahead in the game and for putting him in this tough position. Think, before we do those things... We need to realize what impact is this going to have on relationships? Because God is all about relationships. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love. Anxiety is driven by fear. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Anxiety, listen to me, anxiety is not a mechanism designed for relationships. Anxiety is designed for acute threats. Anxiety is not designed for your kids or your spouse or your neighbor or the guy who works in the cubicle next to you, even if, he'd, even if he did vote for Hillary or Trump. I mean, people... I've heard that people are getting divorced because one spouse voted for Trump. I've actually heard that. I don't know if it's true. You know, it's fake news probably. But uh, (laughs) 
Anxiety is a powerful survival system designed for acute threats, but a train wreck for, for relational intimacy. If opposed to intimacy, if you're opposed to intimacy, just create anxiety. You will get out of intimacy, I will promise you. What happened? Let's, look, let's talk about the Patriots a little more. What happened Tuesday night or Sunday night? Sunday night, what happened Sunday night? First of all, first of all, um, you know, as they started to lose, I, I want to, where's Darcy Schramack? Where's Darcy? Is she, oh, there you are. Darcy's getting on to me because I'm wearing a red hoodie. And Belichick has always lost playoff games when he's wearing a red hoodie. And, and I'm getting worried. We, we've got a new, a new couple here, Matt and Linda Porch at our church. I'm getting worried that he's a Dallas Cowboy fan, and maybe he's the reason we're losing. You know, because he's sitting there. I wish the Cowboys were in this game, which I, which I do too, Matt. I really wish they were there too. That's what I was pulling for, a Cowboy Patriot game. We all started, you know, we're all in the room, and we're imagining what somebody might be doing that's causing us to lose. Somebody, those people aren't praying enough. They're over there talking. They're over in the corner visiting, letting us lose. See, anxiety creates superstitions. Anxiety causes us to make up reasons about why things aren't going well. And it's always somebody else's fault. You know what else began to happen? People began to leave. We, we, I, I, I started getting tense and I, I got up and went up to my office and all of a sudden I needed to go check the TV in the basement because it was just painful to watch them lose this game. Anxiety, drive, you know, people started leaving. By the end, by the, by the beginning of the fourth quarter, there were, there was, beginning with about 45 of us, but the fourth quarter there was about 15 of us. Because anxiety drives people apart. Anxiety causes us to go into our own corners and hide from one another. We're not very good at staying engaged when we're feeling anxious. We separate when we're feeling anxious. So if you fill your life with anxiety, if you fill your marriage, your home, your church full of anxiety, you're not going to have unity. You're not going to have harmony because anxiety pushes people away. Because remember, it's the flight or fright response. And the flight or fight response blocks other people out. Your ears stop working. Your ears stop working when you get highly anxious. You can't let another person finish their sentence. Do you see what's happening in the streets right now? Do you see what's happening with all the protest? Do you see what's happening? We're not having conversations. We're not having a debate. It's amazing how many people, they walk up to them and they try to talk to them and they say, have you read the executive order? They haven't read it. Have, 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 you studied the, have, have you studied the situation? Do you really understand the refugee situation? Do you really understand what's happening with, with, uh, with immigrants? Do you really know? People haven't read because they're shutting down. They're so anxious. I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong. That's irrelevant. 
Whether they're right or they're wrong is irrelevant, but they're hurting each other because they're shutting their ears. Not because they mean to or want to, but they're so afraid and they're so anxious. And God says, I have a remedy for you. Cast your anxiety. Doesn't mean you can't, can't deal with the situation. You, you can still get your sign out there and protest. It's okay. It's America. Thank God for protest. We're Protestants. So our whole, our whole deal was built on protesting. There's history to that. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but the other Martin Luther, protested. He went and put the thesis on the door of the Wittenberg Church. He protested. So that's why they call us Protestants. So, so go ahead and carry your sign. Go ahead and protest. But lower your anxiety. Cast your care on the Lord. Cast your anxiety and your ears will start working again. You'll be able to let people finish their sentences. You'll be able to have conversations and the peace of God. See, when anxiety reigns, everybody gets wet. That was, that was humorous. <laughs> when you have to ask for laughter, you, you've just bombed, right? But when the peace of God reigns, everyone gets warm. Everyone gets warm. Everyone feels cared for and listened to. You can be wrong. I can be, I can be right. You can be right. I can be wrong. But we have love now because we can listen to each other. And we value each other more than, more than we care about our ideas. We care about one another. We, I care about you more than I care about our ideas that might be different, and we can disagree on that kind of stuff. Uh, so fear has to do with punishment. See, when you're highly agitated, you've got to punish somebody. We've got to, I mean, I've I got to get that guy out of there that's a Dallas Cowboy fan. You've got, you got to go home. And he did. Matt went home, and I think that's why we won. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. People went home and went to bed. They woke up the next morning and found out we won. But we feel attacked, devalued, and alone when we use our survival system for acute threats in the context of ordinary, everyday stresses of life. It's like, see, anxiety, though, can be, here's, here's the tricky thing. It can be addictive when we discover that insecure people give us our way when we're highly anxious. It's like the little boy who cried wolf in Aesop's fable. He cried wolf. Everybody ran out. He enjoyed it. it he felt so powerful. I can make all the elders of the town come running out to the city, outside the city limits. All I got to do is go wolf. And they all come running out. It's a very addictive thing when you discover that anxiety can cause people to come under your control. It's very addictive. You see, we don't understand, but the sin nature, this is the sin nature that we're fighting. The sin nature causes us to be rewarded even by chemicals in our brain. We get a chemical reward in our brain for doing something that is really destructive to our relationships, that is really causing us to separate from God and from others, but we get a chemical reward for doing it and we get a social reward sometimes for doing it. So we keep doing crazy things. And the wisdom of God has come in and said, let, let, me, let me deliver you from your insanity. Let me deliver you from your insanity. This is not the way to live. Of course, you know, the, 
the, the guy that cried wolf, one day the wolf really came. That's the problem with, trying, with controlling people with anxiety. The problem is you wear them out. And one day you do have a crisis and they don't come anymore because you've worn them out crying wolf. Somebody say amen. I know that's, that's deep. But it's, you know, don't, you don't have to listen to me. And uh, if you don't listen to advice, you'll hear from Professor Consequence. Professor Consequence. Well, you'll listen to Professor Consequence if you don't listen to wisdom from God. So the, the, reason, the reason God put anxiety in the context of relationships in this text is because it's the adversary of human closeness. And I'm going to tell you something. God loves his kids, and he loves it when his kids love each other. He loves it when we're close. He loves it when we're intimate. He loves it when we feel each other's warmth and we care. God, you know what the Bible says? Sherry talked about the church being a family. I love what she said. You know what the Bible says? God puts the lonely in families. That's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. God puts the lonely in families. So your adversary, the devil, what does he want to do? He doesn't like us lonely people getting into families. So he injects anxiety and anger and fear into us. So even though we're in a family, we get to be a dysfunctional family. And we're hurting each other. And God says, it's so easy. It's so easy. You don't have to do anything grandiose today. All you got to do is calm down. Is that sound easy? Joy, does that sound easy? Just calm down. Just lower your blood pressure. Just come... Come from being stuck on the, you know, the t- 10th floor emotionally. Come, maybe you can't make it to the lobby. You just aren't there yet. <laughs> you just don't have the maturity yet to go to the lobby. But can you go to the mezzanine? You know, just the lower balcony? <laughs> it's going to feel good. Right after, right after it starts, right after it starts, stop. Right after, uh, easy for you to say. Right after it stops feeling bad, it's going to feel good. Because at first it's going to feel horrible. Oh, no, if I don't stay up here, I'm, you don't know, Pastor, I am preventing World War III. I'm preventing nuclear warheads from coming to America. I'm preventing ISIS. I'm preventing the blood moons from coming to pass, whatever that was. I'm preventing Donald Trump from destroying the world. I'm preventing preventing you from preaching too long. Humble yourself. You, You know what we're most threatened by? Humility. That's what... It's really the threat of humility. We're threatened. I'm saying, God, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go home and clean my house and let you run the world. I'm going to go hug my kids and let you run the world. God, I believe in you. I trust you. When we cast our anxiety, let's get onto a couple more things. We cast out anxiety when we accept unchangeable negative circumstances as being from God. Now hear me out on this, because I know that creates a response to some of you who, who do not want to attribute anything negative as being from God. So hear me out on this. 
I'm not going to give you a total theological treatise on it. We don't have time. But I, I want you to understand how Scripture approaches it. It says, humble yourselves there for under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now, to understand 1 Peter 5, 6, we have to accept 1 Peter 5, 10. 1 Peter 5.10 says, In the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When David, King David, was running for his life from Saul, there was a worthless guy named Doeg who began to curse David. And one of David's men began to throw rocks at him, and David made him stop. He said these words, God hath bidden him to curse me. Now, I don't know if he was technically correct. I don't know if David was technically correct. The Bible is a narrative. It's telling a story. Every sentence that comes out of everybody's mouth is not absolute truth. They're, God's just telling us a story. This is how David viewed what Doeg did. So I'm not trying to have a theological argument with you this morning that God causes bad things to happen. The devil causes bad things to happen. I don't want to have that argument. You're missing the point if you want to have that argument because I don't think we will totally solve it. And if, even if we do, what have we accomplished? We've not accomplished because we, I know that came from... The, here's the mindset of people who lowered their anxiety and got victory. Their mindset with things they could not control and they could not make go away. See, God wants you to make bad stuff go away if you can. That's one way to get over your anxiety sometimes is to go, go wash your car and you'll stop being anxious because it's dirty. I find that really works. <laughs> go eat a sandwich and you'll stop being anxious about being hungry. There's <laughs> just a right? There's a bunch of stuff you can just take care of. You know? You blow it with your spouse, lower that anxiety and say, I'm sorry, I blew it. But then there's all this stuff you can't control. And the way the great men of faith in the Bible treated things they could not control, whether, whether it was theologically, technically correct or not, they treated bad stuff that they couldn't control as being from the Lord. Job did not say when Job suffered. He did not say, if the devil slays me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate him. He said, if God slays me, I will still trust him. So that is the, 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 the view that he is saying. I want you to have this view. Don't get devil-centered is what he's saying. Don't get devil-centered. Always be God-centered. Always believe that a sovereign God could remove something that you don't like in your life if he wanted to, and when he knew it was best for you, he could remove it. That was the how you see this view throughout Scripture. Anything that could not be removed by prayer or by faith or by action, he said, I want you to accept it as from the Lord and begin to give God glory and begin to give God praise and let go of the anxiety. It's really important to understand the difference here between casting away and casting upon. The Greek word used in 1 Peter 5, 7 for cast starts with a suffix epi, which literally means upon. So it's not just casting your anxiety away 
or put it in a closet somewhere. It's casting upon. The English text confirms this meaning when he says, cast all your anxiety upon him. The word casting in verse 7 occurs one other time in the New Testament, and it's Luke chapter 19, verse 35. The disciples had been sent to get a donkey for the Lord to ride on. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 19 says, they brought it to Jesus, casting their garments on the colt. Then Jesus said on it. So we're saying, if I don't like what's happening and I can't control it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my feelings about that on the Lord for him to carry it. It's still going to be around. It's not going to disappear. I'm not going to live in denial of it, but I'm going to let the Lord carry it. Humility here is so critical to casting because anxiety can make us feel wiser than we are. I say... Anxiety can make us feel wiser than we are. Putting on the Lord says he's wise. Keep it in myself. See, humility, humility is critical. We tend, here, here's something we got to get over. We tend to see anxiety as a manifestation of our intelligence, our diligence, our perceptiveness, our significance. Our proof that we're necessary. We may even feel it's proof of our prophetic gift. Sure, I have, I have a prophetic gift. You, you unspiritual people can't see the dangers all around us that I can see. You people that like perception, like spiritual perception, you can't see how scary things really are. So it affirms it can affirm our ego. And God says, no, it affirms your unbelief. It affirms the fact that you cannot trust me. That's also why anxiety can be addictive. It's a shortcut to like a pseudo intellectual superiority. The mob, the, the, the mob that cried for Jesus' crucifixion, they were all operating. You know what they were saying? They were saying, he said he's going to tear the temple down. He's going to destroy the temple. Well, if they'd have had a conversation with Jesus, they'd have found out what he meant. He wasn't saying he was going to destroy the temple. He was saying, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to be raised in three days. I am the temple. But because they took a sound bite and they built a whole philosophy around it, they, begin, they became this mob that thought they had the facts. They thought, we have the facts, and this mob began to cry, crucify him, crucify him. We see the same thing when 12 spies, when remember Moses sent 12 spies into Israel? And 12 spies to the promised land, what God had for them? You know what robbed them of the promised land? It wasn't the giants. They saw the people as giants, and they came back so frightened. The giants didn't keep them from entering the promised land. Their anxiety prevented them from entering the promised land. Their fear, their inability to cast their fear upon the Lord. And they got the whole nation worked up. They got the whole nation worked up into a frenzy. That's what I'm a little bit concerned about in my country. Today I'm trying, you know, asking the Lord to help me to cast that anxiety on him too. Because the worst anxiety is when you're anxious about other people's anxiety. <laughs> we all have that happen in our marriages, right? Your spouse gets anxious and then you get anxious about them being anxious. And you really have a fire going when you have two people who are highly amped up and highly anxious. <laughs> we cast out anxiety when we determine that our response must deny the devil a stronghold. 
Keep a cool head, he said in verse 8 in the Message Bible. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce. We may see anxiety as our friend, but God's wisdom said there's always more than meets the eye. There's angelic forces for good and demonic forces for destruction that play in the background like apps on our computer. Now, for you who deny the devil out there, some of you here this morning don't believe there's a devil, you can't have it both ways. You can't believe in the good invisible forces of angels and yet scoff that there are invisible, in, uh, there are invisible forces also of demons and that demons are only for the unsophisticated and less educated. The Bible says, give no foothold to the devil. And that verse is directly tied to emotions. It says, be angry and sin not. Give no foothold to the devil. Drive the tension, the fear, the anger, the hysteria, the anger, the fretting, the freaking out of your life, and you drive the devil out of your life. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. For you devil deniers, I want you to listen to what William Gurnall wrote in a book many, many years ago about the Christian and his armor. Listen, listen carefully. If men hear a noise at night, they cry, the devil, the devil. But they carry the devil around in their very hearts all day. For if you have a proud spirit or if you have resentment, or if you have anxiety, you're under his power. He is setting you in a precarious place. My friends, why don't you run from your pride, crying the devil, the devil? Why don't you run from your resentments and your anxieties, crying the devil, the devil? Why don't you run from your grudges and unforgiveness, crying the devil, the devil? That, that's good. Okay? I believe it's good. What if Eve had responded to Satan? Listen to this. What if Eve had responded to Satan's temptations? See, see the way, remember what I said at the beginning? Everything you need to know is in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 about life and relationships. What if Eve had responded to Satan's temptation to be anxious? Because he made her get anxious. He said, do you know that, that God wants to keep you ignorant? Don't you, don't you see? He, he, they, it, don't you see that he doesn't want you to eat of the free of the truth of knowledge of good and evil because he wants to keep you ignorant? And what if she had said, I'm not going to worry about it to everything that the serpent said to her? What if she had said when he said, have God said that you can't touch the tree over there? What if he said, well, I'm not worried about it. What if when, she said, when he said, you know, God wants to keep you down and keep you under his authority and he doesn't want you to have the knowledge that he says, what if, he, what if she had said, yeah, but I'm not going to worry about it. We'd be living in the Garden of Eden right now. So I'm calling you back today to the peace that passes understanding. I'm calling you back to real power. Casting your anxiety on the Lord doesn't mean you never bring something up again. Anxiety can, like I said earlier, can cause you to clam up when you need to speak up, for sure. To cast means you stop letting that thing be the center of your life. Cast means you communicate, but you don't try to manipulate with your moods or your mouth. There's a sweet spot between where God's peace resides, be, between being silenced over here by fear and trying to control with your moods. There's a difference, see, there's a difference between transparency and manipulation. Transparency is making yourself vulnerable. 
Transparencies can be, listen, and I, I know some of you parents and grandparents, you feel this. I'm hurt that you didn't bring the kids back on Christmas Day. Manipulation is saying, you never care about me. Don't expect us to show up for Twyla's dance recital if you couldn't come to see us on Christmas Day. See the difference? One is being transparent and open and honest. The other is using your anxiety to try to punish. Do you hear me, guys? You hear me, guys? Or why can't you be more like your brother? <laughs> the game-changing decision that will bring us out of anxiety into peace is that we stop being threatened by humility. That means accepting that which is negative and that which may put us down for the moment. Humility is accepting the fact, listen, that I am not God. In fact, the word humble in verse 6 is a verb that in the words of scholars is in the passive voice. So the literal translation is to be humbled. Joy, I asked uh, Steve this week, because I know he studied Greek, I said, what does that passive voice mean? The passive voice of the verb humbled. What does that mean? His response, I want to tell you his response. Listen, how does a plane fly? It has nothing to do with the engine. The air flowing over the wings forms a low-pressure vacuum pulling the wing off the ground. A wing can gain or lose lift simply by having the correct or incorrect attitude. The wing is passive in this case. So God is asking me, instead of trying to force my way through life, He's asking me to orient my attitude so that His Spirit his spirit can lift me up and take me where I need to go. Amen? So I'm not using the energy of my moods to bend others to my will anymore or to bend circumstances to my will anymore. I am living transparently, authentically, honestly. It's not people know how I feel. That's fine. I can say what I need to say, but I can remove the emotionality from it. I can remove the anger from it. I can remove all that, that from it that doesn't let God do what He wants to do because I want to tell you something. God's a better God than you are. I said, God's a better God than you are. I said, God's a better God than you are. We're going to pray right now. I want... How many of you here today say, I got, I got a burden I need to put on the Lord. I want our prayer partners to come get in place. I encourage you to stay, but if you have circumstances and things you need to do because of the weather that's coming, you need to slip out, feel free to do that. I don't think you have anything to be anxious about, but uh, if you feel like you need to deal with something, we're not going to look down on you. Our prayer partners are healed, and I want you to, if you have today, you know, I got some, Pastor Phil, that I can't quite get under control. I can't get my emotions in line with, with what I know about God. But I'm willing to pray about it. Don't feel bad if you're having trouble with this. I have trouble with this all the time, getting my emotions in line with what I know about God and really putting stuff into His hands. 
but come down here and let these guys pray for you. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.